0: Hello, and welcome to A Pair of Dice Lost podcasting channel. My name is Brendan, and this is going to be episode six of Let the Good Dice Roll. And as always, uh, for our exalted retrospective, uh, as always, I am joined by... Christina! Alright, so, um...
1: Is it really our sixth episode? This is
0: really our sixth episode. I know, right? I'm glad you're keeping
1: track, because I sure as hell am not. Well,
0: I'm the one who has to make sure that I'm not accidentally, um... Posting, like, episode five, episode five, episode five, and then no one knows what the fuck's going on. I... You can only determine it by the subtitles.
1: That would probably happen, honestly.
0: Um. So at the, to- at the top of my things I wanted to talk about before we get into talking about the session, thank you to everyone who has liked, subscribed, uh, downloaded stuff, shared things uh, recently. I really do appreciate it. You guys are helping our little podcast channel grow uh every every time you guys do that and it gets a chance to go out to new people it really helps us um we have not been receiving any questions uh lately but i mean you know it it happens um we haven't really put ourselves back out on the discords to be like hey you should you should uh ask us questions in like a month
1: and we really only have, what, like, a couple questions left, too. So yeah, I think we, we have, wanna like, three do questions.
0: You are totally welcome to. We are always open to doing that. Um, the other thing is, that I wanted to say is um, just to get the, the, the plug out of the way at the beginning of the episode. Sure. Yeah. Um, if you have any questions, um, you can e- you can either tweet at me uh, at a pair of dice lost on Twitter, or you can send them to the Gmail, a pair of dice lost at gmail.com. I check that uh, pretty much right before we do an episode of this to see if anyone's uh,
2: okay.
0: asked stuff. So, with that out of the way, um, we're going to be doing one session tonight, because the following session deserves its own episode. So
1: the, the following session is literally six pages of written notes, and I take decently elaborate notes usually, and this is me not taking elaborate notes, funnily enough, but a lot of stuff happens in that session, and a lot of... Commentary from both of us need to be said for that session for multiple reasons. And I talked to Brenda, I was like, this needs to be its own session. So we're only going to go through one this time around. We're also going to talk a little bit about another place in the in creation. And then uh, we have a, if we have time, we'll get to maybe a question or two.
0: Right. So, start us off. Where are we in, in the timeline of our game?
1: Well, it's a Sunday. Like it always is. Mm-hmm. And it's March the 19th of 2017. Alright. We're and at March now. Yeah, we're in March. I do have written down that Joe is not there. And we did have a little bit of a retcon. Where Visionary actually wasn't there. And he's off on a lucky charm adventure.
0: Ah, which... uh, yes. I, uh, I decided to give... Since it was close to St. Patrick's Day. I was like... Oh, yeah, he's, since he's not here, he's off on a uh, an adventure with the the, the closest spirit to St. Patrick that I can think of. Which we'll get to, I think, in the next episode, or in the next session. It actually comes up when Probably, the fuck happens. Probably,
1: maybe, yep. I think, I'm sure. It's mentioned at some point. Well, I basically
0: gave him a free dope-ass artifact for no goddamn reason.
1: It happens. Anyways... So this is actually the session where Devin stops playing Seeker and ends up playing a different character. I know we mentioned it before. I don't, mm-hmm. know, I don't remember how much detail we went into because I don't re-listen to the podcast. I know you do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I have to to, cut out, um, to to cut out silence and kind of uh, make this sound a little bit better. I, I go through it. Plus, it helps me when I'm fucking grinding out fucking levels on fucking video
1: games. That's true. So anyways, uh, Star, who we talked about before, uh, takes a mask and slaps it on Seeker, and it was like Seeker was never there before, because Seeker ended up taking it, Star up on his offer to join him in Yushan. It's heaven,
0: a uh, sidereal artifact that basically gives him the effect of uh, arc- arcane. Well,
1: it was a star metal mask, so yeah. I know it's it has to do with sidereal bullshit. Mm-hmm.
0: But it basically, um, in doing that, it removed him from the loom of
1: fate. Yeah. And Wayward, Talisman, and eventually Percival just slowly started forgetting about Seeker. Well, everybody forgot about Seeker. Percival slowly forgot about him
0: vaguely remembers him over time because he had an intimacy towards seeker of dislike of distrust
1: or something like that or yeah. like an intimacy to our whole group of like protectiveness or something no you like know that. he
0: specifically had an intimacy of distrust towards seeker
1: uh, okay of course storm still remembers him because they were in a relationship together and whatnot so i believe i had a major intimacy mm-hmm. uh for him as that character so, Storm, unfortunately, still remembered everything, and she would try to talk to him, or talk about him, and people would be like, what are you talking about? Okay, oh, this goodness imaginary goodness. boyfriend yeah, of yours. Yeah, this imaginary
0: boyfriend of yours. Oh, hey. man, that was, that was, uh, like, five sessions at least worth of just John and uh, uh, John being like...
1: Oh, this Mm -hmm. secret boyfriend that we'll never meet, that you talk about all the time. Oh yeah,
0: where does he live? Does he live in the north? (laughs) It's your secret boyfriend from Canada.
1: Yeah, clearly. It It was ridiculous. They made jokes all the time. And it was funny because Percival would be like, I vaguely remember this person, and would kind of support me in that but not all the time it was just funnier for him to be like yeah I remember that guy he was a dick and nobody else remembers him so they at one point they thought Percival was a little crazy too until Percival just completely (laughs) forgot about him and then only I remembered him I I was like
0: well fuck
1: I don't remember honestly I just remember eventually everybody remembered him and then right
0: everybody remembered him once you all gained access to Yushan
1: yeah uh, and then, you know, stuff later on. But that's mm-hmm. not important. That's skipping way, way ahead to that whole thing. Right. So we had uh, 10,000 Steaks, who is the god of cooking, whom we mentioned, I think it was last session, yep. visiting us and kind of being our cook around there. He's our visiting chef. So before. Uh, or no, wait. He, did he visit us? Cause I just, you
0: guys I just, visited him, him as a group with.
1: Because Talisman took us there, yeah, with like yeah. Tailspinner, um, as kind of like a meal before we headed back to Sunshade.
0: Right. Um, so this is actually, during the game, I don't, I looked over the notes, and you actually didn't have it written down there. But um, this is actually where the Tailspinner explained the history of Great Forks.
1: I, I probably didn't want to write the whole history of Great Forks down. <clears throat> it's probably so. Why.
0: Um, great Forks, as I've mentioned before, um, sits at the bank of uh, three, three major rivers in the Riverlands, makes it a great trading port, and basically what ended up happening was these three um, societies of different gods. It was um, Tailspinner... Um, Dreams of a Different Day, or Shield of a Different Day, I'm actually looking it up real quick. Um, Spirit, Spinner of Glorious tales, Weaver of Dreams of Victory, and Shields of a Different Day. Generally shortened to Tailspinner, Dreamweaver, and Day Shield.
1: I probably have that written somewhere. Are the
0: three gods of Great Forks. Now, they all Basically, came together at Great Forks because they, um, they all kind of came together at the same time, and they're all kind of like different like cultures like clashing, and they're about to go to war. And then they kind of there's a um, near Great Forks is a Shadowland, which Shadowlands are places where the underworld kind of bleeds into creation, and it is ruled by. Princess Magnificent with lips of coral and robes of black feathers.
1: Oh, her, okay.
0: So what that they realized is that if that they're all going to go to war, no matter who wins, the winner is going to be too weak, and then Princess Magnificent can just come in and take what would become Great Forks.
1: Fucking Death Lords.
0: So what that they ended up doing is um I'm, I'm literally reading through the wiki real quick. Um, so basically Tailspinner and Dreamweaver crafted a story of a mighty victory over the Death Lord. While Day's shield warded the people and their spirit allies behind walls of illusion. Um, this sorceress story of Princess Magnificent being defeated at Great Forks caused, basically put like the fear of gods in her and she retreated. Which let them basically, like, through their united uh, efforts, basically made the city of Great Forks.
1: I mean, that makes sense.
0: Um, so, just side note about what happens to Princess Magnificent, because it is important for late in the story. Yeah.
1: I mean, I know. Our listeners um, don't know.
0: So Princess Magnificent basically retreats. Uh, she... Death Lords. Uh, I believe that we mentioned in the first episode. We
1: went over each exalt type. I don't remember so, how much we talked about actual death lords I don't
0: themselves. think we talked a whole lot about them. So death lords are basically ghosts of exalts from the first age who are super fucking pissed that they're dead. So... um the Death Lords are uh, governed by the Neverborn, who are the primordials who refuse to die. Um, and when it, and basically Death Lords get given Death Knights abyssals to kind of command in the conquering of the of creation, uh, as is their Metaplot. Um, the When that Princess Magnificent ran, she was basically uh, like the the Neverborn chastised her in such a way that she is locked up in a tower and is basically owned by the First and Forsaken Lion, who is another Death Lord who plays a major role in this story later on.
1: Way later
0: on. Uh, actually, sooner than you think, but. Well,
1: yes, that's you know. getting into
0: um, the other game that was being run that I'll explain at some point. Yeah. Because uh, uh, the original concept for this game was because I couldn't get all of my friends together at once, I was going to run two concurrent games in different
1: Areas sections of creation. of
0: creation and then kind of see what happens. And there is some...
1: There is some interesting overlap.
0: There is some interesting overlap and some fucking bullshit that happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, it. I think it gets mention, mentioned in the next session, or at least... The reason... One of the big reasons for the crossover happens next session because Storm goes and does a thing for an NPC and that NPC fucking owes her.
0: Um, I think that it's actually mentioned... Not this session, but... Yeah, probably next session. And then yours is like the session after next. Well,
1: it's, it's literally next session is when Storm goes and does the thing. No. For
0: ne- the NPC. So, so next session is when they... Were you no? You were there for that. No, it's the session after that your thing happens.
1: Yeah, what I'm saying is, I, I the thing that jumpstarts the request to do the thing, right, is happens next session.
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah. You're right.
1: Okay. That's what I was trying to get at. Okay.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. No,
1: no, no, that it makes sense. I thought
0: that you were saying that the actual request that you made. happened. Oh, no no, happen no, no, then. no 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 no. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Um. Once that. Once that session concludes, I'll probably start off the following episode, um, the session where you make the request. I'll probably start off the following episode with a, uh, basically a synopsis of the Southern game. Yeah. Um, up to the point where it gets kind of caught up with us.
1: That would make sense.
0: It makes sense because I don't want to ruin the, uh, the, the surprise surprise. Yes, the surprise. Anyway, so yeah, so that that's basically Great Forks, Princess Magnificent. Uh, we'll get into a lot more of that as um, the south becomes more relevant. Which is
1: kind of later on. Right. Anyway. Talisman heads back to the boat, and Storm goes to look for Raiden, even though Raiden's kind of dipset at this point. She's still trying to see if she can find her or any traces of her Percival has uh, people doing stuff. Hayward is talking to his family, and I have Visionaries fucking off of oh. the ether.
0: Oh, so one thing I did want to mention, um, I felt really bad. I I did not mention this before, but I felt really bad about uh, how my roles went with John because John's um in character mom being murdered is like just it, it was really it was really shitty. But I didn't want to like deny how the dice had rolled because like. John, John John has lost a parent so it was like a really close to home thing but he like seemed to enjoy it ish like kind of getting that vengeance kind of thing out like it was but it was definitely one of those things that like
1: you had to tiptoe around
0: it wasn't that I had to tiptoe around but like when I rolled like that I literally texted him and was like hey here's the deal this is what I rolled do you want me to re-roll and do something else? Like I don't want to bring up bad memories, and like I think that that's one of those really good like
1: GM to player moments. One of
0: those GM to player moments where I kind of realized that like this might actually mess with my player, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable at my gaming table. So like I asked him, and he was like, "No, no, no, it's fine. You can do you can do that. It's it's fine. It's fine. I'm not gonna like." I'm not I'm not gonna take I'm not gonna take it, take it badly, but like if he had told me, please do not do that, I would feel super uncomfortable. I'd be like, Cool, gonna just do something else that's also like, you know, makes the characters really hate this enemy, but I'm not going to go I'm not going to I'm not going to actively try to hurt one of my players' feelings. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Like I said, Talisman heads back to the boat, and she finds a uh, Glorious, what was it, Glorious Golden Behemoth?
0: Glorious Golden Behemoth, yep.
1: On the boat, who was seeking passage. We also found out his real name was, like, Albahem. Yes. Or, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not positive. I know we called him Abe for short for a while, and then we eventually started calling him Behemoth, because that was just easier. This is awesome. We found out the name of the first mate on the boat was Esteban. Oh,
0: yes. Esteban. An NPC that I rarely played. Right. Um, it takes Despite a... how often that you all use that fucking boat.
1: Yep. It ends up taking us a bit longer to get home because of we have a lot of people on board that we didn't have when we went there.
0: Yep. Boat weight got increased.
1: Yeah. A lot of Jala. Oh, yeah, the Jala.
0: So many Jala.
1: So, <laughs> as we, uh, uh, approach the deck, there's a lot of people there to welcome us back, including the Sayu, the Baroness, and Diego. And ten Jalo were born during the trip.
0: Because, as you recall, um, King, uh, Visionary, had, uh, basically taken out a bunch of, uh, pregnant Jalo women from...
1: yeah. Even though it retcon that he wasn't
0: there. Like,
1: it's a glibly yeah, long I mean, timey-wimey. Well,
0: yeah, it, well, I mean, I, what was I going to do? Just leave the Jala that he had freed in Great Force? That'd be a real dick move.
1: I mean, at the time we weren't racist towards Jala. That was later
0: Yeah, times. that's, uh, oh, very that's soon. real soon. That was that's very not later, that's times. real soon.
1: That's real soon times. Um, the Baroness ends up mentioning a crumbling statue in the center, which was originally Seeker's statue. And the statue is starting to rebuild itself. So Storm and Behemoth go to the statue, and just the feet are there at the moment. Percy mm-hmm. decides to stay in Great Forks to do some stuff with the war gods that are there. Right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what Percy's doing. He's talking to the god of Bladed Weapons and uh, plans to replace uh, Tian Yu, which is the goddess of Look Shy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And, uh, possibly trying to be the god, the war god in the south. And he's trying to make potential allies, there's different talks back and forth of this, and, uh, he wants the company of our town to fight in his name, as in, like, the, this god's name. Yep. Or he
0: wants a, was it the company of the town, or does he want Percival's, like, blackguard? It says
1: company of the town in the notes. So hey, uh,
0: by company of the town, he probably meant like one. Of, he wants one of Percival's uh,
1: blackguard. People. One of
0: Percival's like war uh, company, like squadrons devoted to him.
1: That wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, so it was blades like grass is what I have written down yep. for them. And then there's two other big name gods to look for that uh, Percival is going to seek out through out this whole thing. And we end up getting a map of the Hundred Kingdoms, actually, Mm
0: -hmm. because of this. The Hundred Kingdoms are, uh, I don't think we ever mentioned it, but the Hundred Kingdoms are just south of Sunshade, um, and they are basically a bunch of a hundred warring tribes in the southern riverlands that basically, like, if they got their shit together, could conquer the riverlands, but they never get their shit together in canon. Yeah,
1: makes sense. Uh, Behemoth talisman Wayward go off, uh, after Behemoth mentions he has a wild mutation, so they kind of go off to discuss the situation, and Behemoth basically, uh, says that, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. As they're going off, Wayward sees five ghosts behind Behemoth, and he manifests those ghosts. That's what they go off to discuss. Is right. discussing why the fuck there's ghosts there. So it wasn't they weren't discussing yep. the wild mutation. Because
0: ghosts being linked to someone the way that they are linked to Behemoth is a sign of a necromancer.
1: Yeah. So they go off to kind of discuss it's like, yo, why you got ghosts? Why can I manifest these ghosts? Why are they following you? What's going on? And uh, he says that these ghosts were basically force mates and that Behemoth was kidnapped by the Opal Court and uh, I have something about a uh, spark of valor in here for some reason.
0: Yes. Um. So the spark of valor is what the, the opal court of Fay called. Uh, oh, called,
1: called the heathen. Okay. Uh,
0: his curse was specifically that any mortal that he uh had intercourse with would die. And their soul would be linked to him. This is because he's also a sorcerer, and that's his sorceres's drawback. But he can basically like take from the souls of the, uh,
1: those following of, the
0: of those following him around as uh, sorceress motes to cast spells.
1: Which is great, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I have this bite him in the ass a lot because it's a really fun thing to bite someone in the ass of.
1: While they're doing that, Storm ends up going to Seeker's room to see basically how far down this whole you do not exist anymore" rabbit rabbit hole, hole goes. And she ends up finding a note explaining pretty much everything, and a notebook that Seeker left with all of his things, all of his notes, his documents, the whole shebang for her to basically take over... His spy network, which, as far as anyone is concerned by memory, is her spy network now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um,
1: and that was it was nice, because, like I said, it was Devin's way of being like, we're trying to do the same thing. I want you to have fun. Here's the thing you want to do. I can have fun doing something else. So I do appreciate that. Um, and Diego ends up finding Storm and telling her about the inspection, and that, uh, Sunshade passed with flying colors, uh, until it becomes, you know, the town becomes more hey. noticeable, and, uh, we kind of have to do whatever we can to subvert the realm funds to Sunshade.
0: So, Plus. this but, isn't in your notes, but I'm remembering it right now because <laughs> of something, uh, That's always great. So because of Seeker, uh, he had sent shadows out to a bunch of different people who went to different directions. Yeah. One of those directions was to the south to Chiriskyra.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I had, as I mentioned before, I was running a concurrent southern game.
2: Yeah.
0: Seeker basically found out before anyone else about the group in the south.
1: Uh, you, like, you, in you've, ma- you've mentioned that to me yeah. before.
0: But uh, he found out, I think. he found out in, ca- well, we had mentioned out of character about the game, but yeah. we hadn't mentioned it in character. He found out in character about it. So the reason that the Realm Squad, or the Realm Inspection Squad was so, like, lax on you guys, you know, despite having, like, these fully erected Golden God statues, um, was because the Wild Hunt had literally been tipped off about... A city in the south with a bunch of solars.
1: I think we actually end up finding out about that in character later yeah. on. Yeah,
0: you guys do end up finding out in character about it later on, but at this point, like, this is why you guys pass the inspection yeah. squad so well. Because, like, if literally the majority of the wild hunt hadn't been off dealing with them, this would have been a way bigger deal. Yeah.
1: Well, the next inspection uh, will be around uh, during or around calibration.
0: Uh, around would be the better. You no one ever travels travel during, during calibration.
1: calibration. Which have we talked about calibration at all, or should we wait until we actually have calibration? Well, let's wait
0: until we actually have calibration because calibration is a fucking like that's a that's a session that's an episode in and of itself.
1: I miss the cupcakes. The <laughs> cupcakes were make. great. <laughs> Um, and, uh, we find out that, uh, Sato has replaced Diego as the head of the Teppet Branch family.
0: Yes, Teppet Sato, who is met, like, twice in the game and is literally Jonathan Joestar. Like, I think I describe him as legs like tree trunks.
1: Possibly. <laughs> uh, his suggestion, though, was he thought it would be best if we destroy the next inspection. And we found out that a distant cousin of Diego, Tepet uh, Ajava?
0: Tepet Ajava, yeah. Ajava
1: will lead the Red Piss Legion versus the Bull of the North. It was just a little thing that we randomly found out. This
0: is a canon thing that happens in Exalted around this time after the the Scarlet Empress's uh, disappearance. Yeah.
1: I, just the name of the legion just amuses me, honestly.
0: They call it that because it's basically like the worst of the worst. Like yeah. that they're, they're not they're not a good legion, and nope. but and yet Java actually like puts them in like in shape in canon. Like that's why that she's that's why she's kind of the uh, the terrestrial like I don't want to say Mary Sue, but she's like the terrestrial canon like m- main character coon.
1: She's the main character,
0: dude. She is on that, that fucking uh screen that I have for Exalted. She's the redhead on that in the game in Oh, the I NJ know. You've you
1: shown me before. Um, Well, it, we're still with Storm for a while for some stuff and things. Because, you know, they were busy doing their thing. And then Storm kind of goes off and does her own shit and finds out a lot of shit. Anyway, Storm goes off to find a Sayu And he's with Natolius. And they're preoccupied. So she leaves. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, preoccupied is, um, putting it lightly. It's I th- better
1: than what I have in my notes. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Um, if I recall, that scene was basically, I think that you knocked on the door, and then say you showed up in a, uh, in a towel wrapped around his, uh, wrapped around his genitals and was just like, yes, is there something you need?
1: I think I was just like, I'm good, Bye.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was just like, hey, I mean, they've been reunited after, like, a few years of not being together.
1: More than a few years, I think, at that point. So, Storm then goes to the orphanarium, and she finds uh, the girl that we had mentioned, like, before, the blonde-haired girl who was supposedly, supposedly ghost-blooded, uh, that she had renamed Lily. She was in an alley by the orphanarium with Surgeon, Will, Author, and Voice, So she confronts them and ends up finding out that this girl is actually the fifth member of their circle. When we mentioned that their fifth member was a female that went to the south, it was her. So Mm -hmm. she's actually been in Sunshade for quite a while without really anybody knowing about it. Yep. Um, And then that's when I think we actually found out that they're all abyssals. Yep. Because I literally have it written, they are all abyssals, underline. And they're here to observe and help our group. We also found out that their liege is the Mask of Winters, which I think made a couple of us just cringe at that point.
0: So the Mask of Winters is a Death Lord who, um, the best way to put it is, um, in First Edition and Third Edition, he's basically the Emperor Palpatine of the, uh... Of the Death Lords, he's super smart and calculating, and always has a plan for this, that, and the other. He's terrible in Second Edition, for whatever reason. He, the 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 creators, literally, copy pasted, um, copy pasted the First and Forsaken Lions stat block to the Mask of Winters, which makes no fucking sense. Like, why is the Mask of Winters completely illiterate? <laughs> That makes no
1: sense for him at all. That makes
0: absolutely no fucking sense for the Mask of Winters. Mask of Winters is a super highly calculating, he's, he's that
1: villain. If Storm was a Death Lord.
0: (laughs) If Storm was a Death Lord. If Storm was a Death Lord, that would be the Mask of Winters. Except the Mask of Winters already did that.
1: (laughs) Um, Man,
0: I can't wait to talk about the Mask of Winter session that you weren't there for. It's such a good fucking was, session. That's what
1: when I went to Gen Con, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll have to, like, see where the, like, there's a week that gets skipped that isn't, like, a holiday to figure it out. I'm
1: not keeping track of when we skip weeks either. I'm just saying the dates and hoping we will we'll pay attention. I'm
0: sure that we'll pay attention at some point.
1: Yep. Um, anyway, but, so back so to this. So, Storm ends up telling them, because. At this point, she's built up a rep- Like, she's annoyed that Ghost didn't tell her who she really was, but at this point, she's built up a good repertoire with Ghost. Well,
0: I mean, and, what is she going to you know, do? Hey, hey, I'm an abyssal, which is like the shadow of your solar glory. Hey, can I still stay in your city? I'm literally
1: the opposite of you. I'm the day cast. You're the night cast. <laughs> I'm
0: literally the opposite of you. Can I stay in your city, pretty please? Like, that would ever work with a solar.
1: <laughs> we're not getting into this argument right now. <laughs> That's the next session. We can get into look that argument. look forward to the
0: next episode. <laughs>
1: um, but like I said, at this point she's worked in a repertoire with it, and we've already met the other four boys. And so it's at this point of, fuck it, let's just share information and just put the cards on the table. Mm-hmm. So she ends up telling them about Dancer, and they say that they might bring it up to their liege and try and find out some information. So we end up finding out that uh, Author is the Dusk cast, which is the opposite of the Dawn cast. Ghost is the Day cast, which is the opposite of the Night cast. Um, voice is the Midnight, which is the opposite of the Zenith. And I think it's what? Surgeon's the Daybreak? Yes, the surgeon opposite is of the Twilight. The, yep. And then Will is the Moon Shadow. Moon Shadow.
0: Which is the opposite of Eclipse. Which. By the way, uh, just to, uh, for anyone who's keeping track, since Seeker was the old Eclipse cast, Behemoth is the new Eclipse cast.
1: Yep, I actually have that written down further in here. Um, Oh, wow. But, me, end up meeting up with the rest of the group, and Storm Explains stuff, and everyone now knows that the group that they've been working with are Abyssals now. And I also have, it literally has... Will is the moon shadow, and then Behemoth is the eclipse, and they ended up uh, doing that eclipse thing that they can do, where they bind each other uh, to an oath.
0: And it's like just like okay, yeah, you do that with the solar glory, and then
1: it's a, Will it's a bro also, moment.
0: Will also does that with it with abyssal like dark powers, and it's like this
1: weird, weird like,
0: like like solar he, eclipse fucking shit going on.
1: Solar eclipse. Um, We also find out that Will's full name is the Unbending Will of the Neverborn. Yep. And we decide to find a place for our bristle friends to stay uh, because the hearthstone makes it hard to stay in places.
0: Yes, I believe that the hearthstone that either Seeker had in there or that you had in there or someone had a hearthstone in there that basically made creatures of darkness not like being in the manse.
1: Yeah, I can't remember. It really was either Seeker or Storm. I want to say Seeker had it and then he gave it to me and I ended mm-hmm. up putting it in the right. orphanarium because I'm not having dark creatures around children. Right. Um, but Ghost ends up showing Storm uh, what Evan's shadow is like and suggests that, because that, this time Storm's uh, snake style, so Ghost ends up suggesting that as kind of an expansion for mm-hmm. uh, Storm. So back to Percival... Uh, he's with the Forest of Spears, and uh, this is in the southern end of the Hundred Kingdoms, where they have a small holdings, and it's close to uh, close to Mahasuchi. And, uh,
0: Mahasuchi, a canon lunar character that you all decided never to deal with.
1: We very decidedly decided not to deal with Mahasuchi. It's probably for the best.
0: He's kind of a crazy fucking person.
1: Yeah. We find out that the Forest of Spears used to be the god of engineering, god of engineering progress, my mistake, but left Yushan. And before this calibration, uh, he wants to—he wants a siege weapon built in his name the sunshade.
0: Oh boy, that—that that brings some weird shit that's gonna happen.
1: And uh, Percival promises this to him.
0: Despite the fact that Percival has no ranks in, in crafting.
1: He basically, no promised, craft charms. basically promised that Talisman would make it
0: for Or them. Well, I mean, at that point, or visionary.
1: At that point. Anyways. Uh, and then he goes to Arrows Like Rain. And she's in the eastern area of the Hundred Kingdoms. And the promise he has to make to her is that uh, he must promise to kill uh, Raksha. Yes. That Raktra killed is, her exalted love.
0: Raksha is the name that the gods gave to fey folk.
1: Yeah. Uh, specifically, Paris, the eight and eightfold prince in the Opal Court in the east. Oh, look. The Opal Court comes up again. Yep. So, uh, when Percival comes home, he tells us all about his time in Great Force and the deals he made. And Behemoth tells us what he knows about Paris, uh, because... Like, uh, because he worked directly under uh, that Paris works directly under the leaders of the Fae. I put in air quotes, leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had about equal standing that Behemoth had, and apparently he's actually a good air quotes person, at least as far as they go.
0: Um, Paris's whole thing is that he just wants to fight, and the reason that he's called the Eight and Eightfold Prince is because he has eight wins. And eight losses in uh, major tournaments.
1: Yep. And if he wins or loses, his name changes.
0: Yep. And he's, like, he's totally cool with, like, humans. He just wants a good fight. If he were to, like, air quotes, kill you, he would, like, use his fey magic to bring you back to full health and be like, hey, good fight, buddy.
1: Yeah. So this is the last little bit of the session. We're and we're having a little feast, and uh, we find out that we're eating human hearts. It's just our solar circle that's eating human hearts. The the people there are not eating human hearts.
2: Okay, let's
0: let's let's uh let let us be a little bit more specific here. You're eating human hearts.
1: Uh, hold on. We have. Oh
0: oh, is that actually in the notes? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, it it explains a little bit of the notes. We can go probably farther into that. Just uh. But, so, Percival and Storm were kind of like, okay, this is weird. Uh, let's go and see where these are coming from. We find out they're coming from our prison. And all of these hearts are coming from prisoners that had committed the serious crimes. Like, some of the ones were, uh, murder, rape, uh, treason, stuff like that. Heresy. Heresy, yeah.
0: Heresy. Heresy is the big one.
1: Yeah. Basically, it's, like, the serious crimes that it's just like, you're gonna be locked up for forever. So, uh, good luck. Yep. And, uh... So to
0: expand upon that... Yeah. Um, those hearts taste delicious to you all. Yep. Because specifically, um, the Dayman and the Baroness worked in tandem to reprogram prisoners to, um, basically be masters of the, uh, of that specific solar supernal ability. Um... So basically, like, with Storm being a supernal of martial arts, they literally trained someone to have five dots in martial you arts. You
1: say they. It was the baroness.
0: <laughs> uh, no, no. It was, also, uh, it was also Dayman because he had the uh, the personality overriding spike. Um, yep. They were both in tandem working on that because that's what you guys like to do in the past.
1: Yep. Yep. This also, yeah, no, they, they, le- this also leads to a argument next session.
0: Yep, when that visionary comes back.
1: Yep. Uh and just the last little bit I have is, you know, when, when Neftolius is out and about, she has a full circle of terrestrials that are following her and help her build her thing.
0: Yep. Uh her full circle of terrestrials are non combat and all RT drama kids.
1: I mean that's who she is. is exactly. The, like the goddess of artistic like endeavors and bullshit. Mm-hmm specifically artistic endeavors and bullshit. Okay.
0: Artistic endeavors and bullshit. Yep.
1: All
0: right, is that the end of that session? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So, we're back. Um so, I feel I feel like I should probably talk about the south a little bit and the wackiness that was my other tabletop role-playing group um having to deal with the exalted system.
1: Yeah, because some stuff there's a little bit of overlay, like like we mentioned earlier. There's an NPC that comes from our campaign to the southern campaign and makes a request, and the south fulfills that request. So talking up until that occurrence. So,
0: so like, there's no um, um, feeling of, like, importance if I just suddenly introduce all these guys and tell you about something that happened, like, all in the same episode. Like, so here's, like, the fucking teaser that some bullshit's gonna happen yeah so like i said i originally envisioned this campaign as running two basically solar cities one in the riverlands and one of the one in uh the south uh the major difference is, is that the south is all desert um besides the northern part of it uh near near the ri- near the uh near the uh Near the ocean that divides the, uh, the the major continent from the Blessed Isle, um, the major the, the main group comprised of, and I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember everyone's fucking name besides uh besides Jake's character. Um, I
1: know there was Julius
0: was like Sheila or something. Right? Julius was Sheila. And it stood for something. Uh, She was a martial artist who used White Reaper style.
1: White Reaper's so good for mobs.
0: And uh, rode around on a pterodactyl. Um, There was my buddy Dan, who basically played a really deformed archer. There was Zane, who played an intelligence-based crafting character. He also kind of, like took to that weird, like, Excel spreadsheet crafting life the way that Julia did with uh, Talisman. I
1: mean, you have to for crafting. Crafting's ridiculous.
0: And then there was Jake's character, Burdened with Glorious Purpose. Or Glory.
1: I remember hearing a little bit about that. I remember Jake telling me a little bit about the shenanery that was that.
0: So... This group shows up, and much like the group in the south, they uh, they find a city that's being excavated by uh, by the realm. Uh, a, a lot of the uh, the openings of it were very similar. I basically I basically wrote one session and then like put it into two different and things, and
1: then kind of saw where we went with it, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, this is where that, uh, as I mentioned, as we mentioned with, I think, the first episode, actually, or maybe the second, that I was like, did the city rise up? No, it was the southern game where the city rose up. So, these four get together, they're um, they're talking, uh, they basically are all drawn to this realm excavation site, where they, um, they basically the realm excavation site that they find is um, deserted and only has a bunch of ghosts in it. Oh. Lucky them. Yeah, lucky them. Um, So the ghosts started attacking them, so it's just like nothing but combat for about two hours. Oh. Yeah, it's rough. Um, Jake almost killed Zane.
1: Like on purpose. on like on Like, Zane,
0: tri- Zane tried to be the crafter who then, like, got into combat and kind of sucked at it. Oh. And then Jake, being the spellcaster, used Death of Obsidian Butterflies and just so <gasps> happened to have
1: I love Zane that spell. In, in, in
0: the cone effect.
1: I love that spell so much. It's so good. So,
0: they all um, get there and they find... That the person who had... They, they cannot find the person who has killed everybody there. But they do find um, a broken stone mask. Um, which I had... Because literally the group went... Because this group... Uh, this part of the group uh, knew JoJo references. One of them looked at me and went... Is that a JoJo reference? And I went... "Uh, uh, uh No... And, uh, basically, you know how that, uh, Seeker kept getting sidereal masks, uh, s- smashed on his face to, like, lower his animal bonfire and then, like, yeah. disappear-, disappear him from reality? Mm-hmm. I gave them a broken sidereal mask that they tried for forever to fix. Oh. Well,
1: yeah. they had a crafter. They could have potentially done that.
0: Yeah, but they needed star metal to do that.
1: I'm guessing none of them had a sidereal ally, like, in nope. our campaign.
0: Mm-mm. Not, not a one.
1: Oh. Well, stuff happens. I guess. So
0: they ended the session with opening up the vault that uh op- that introduced them to the jade cast of Dayman's assembly, who was the uh worker of auta Autoth- greatness, something That's
1: like not that. Not quite right, but
0: it, it, it's something like that.
1: Yeah. While well, you then, talk, I'm gonna look it up. Cause and then, I'm then basically curious.
0: he um. He was kind of their baroness, but more robotic.
1: Did he have a high clarity or low clarity? High clarity,
0: that's... very high clarity.
1: Oh.
0: But he basically like start basically like one man army uh, got the uh, the uh, city risen up. Greatness of,
1: of uh autothonian engineering.
0: Greatness or of autothonian. Autothonian. Engineering. autothonian.
1: Yeah, I have autothonian written down to autothonian.
0: So, he basically got that city risen up from the sand, and they all started bringing people into them afterwards, the following session, I had them all go to Chiroscuro. Uh, just to kind of, like, let them do some social RP, figure things out. Um, Jake and, let's see, so Jake met with someone who was really upset about Solars because he met a short Solar in a straw hat with the nightcast symbol on it. (laughs) With a hookah and a corgi who, according to this mortal, punched his sister pregnant.
2: Because that's
0: how physics works, according to this person. Jake had to basically explain the birds and the bees to a... Uh,
1: I, I, sorry, because I, I know who it is. That's right? why it's so fucking funny to me.
0: So so yeah, so Jake had to explain the birds and the bees to a, uh, a guy. He also made uh, some deals with... Uh,
2: cool. Wait, is this the you can't punch a person pregnant story? Yes, Hi, is, Julia!
0: Yes, this is the you can't punch a person pregnant. I literally pregnant. just
2: walked out to get banana bread, and I heard about Jake having to explain the birds and the well, bees, so and all I can remember is Jake being like, I assure you, sir, you cannot punch somebody pregnant. So we're doing,
1: because we did a shorter session that was only two pages of notes, and the next session is six pages of notes, which is its own session in and of itself because it's just Ridiculous. Uh, it's we're that doing episode. we kind of a little, like, here's what happened in the South to catch you up to where, to, like, what's gonna happen when a certain NPC comes and makes a certain request, which I'm Is not revealing. Is this my
2: murder hobos?
0: Yes, I'm about to get to your murder hobos.
2: Did she look so good? Oh my god. What
1: was her whole name, actually, if you remember
2: it? Oh my god. It was something about, like... Falling something, something, It um, was something to do with my scythe. I remember that much. She used White Reaper style, and her uh, best friend was her pterodactyl clutch mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh God, it had to do with uh, it had to do with White Reaper style. I just remember her name was Sheila, and she was really pretty, really strong, and really <laughs> dumb. So it was like Glorian from uh, Journey Quest, except not evil. Yeah. She <laughs> was the one that was just like Hogwarts. Jake's entire uh, strategy for dealing with social situations was to just point them at the pretty girl in the party, and then while they were distracted, convince them to do something, and then have somebody sanctify it.
0: So, (laughs) going on with that, uh, so Sheila uh, found a...
2: um, Bye, Julia. Bye.
0: Found a a cult that would uh, start worshipping her that was a bunch of murder hobos. Literally a bunch of murder hobos that started worshiping worshiping her because she beat up the
2: lead kill, the, hobo? The, the,
0: the lead murder hobo <laughs> named guessing. the lead murder hobo named kill happy who what? then had who then the this next in line
1: bullshit.
0: who then the next in line became the new kill happy and decided that they that the group of murder hobos was gonna follow Sheila. All right. They continued to just follow her for the rest of the campaign, uh, as long as it lasted. And basically just be her loyal servants, despite the fact that she didn't want that.
1: Yeah, this
0: is some Borderlands bullshit. It is some
1: Borderlands bullshit. Uh, to um, note, Brendan and I are currently playing through Borderlands 3, so...
0: the uh, Dan makes some friends with, uh, I can't remember Dan's character. Dan car- made friends? Dan made friends, yeah, I know, right? Dan made friends with some of the local uh, exigents of stealth.
1: I I was going to say, I don't know. I know very little about the stealth I'm, I'm literally, so.
0: like, looking forward and being like, is this what I did? I can't remember. But, yeah, no, he made friends with the exigents of, like, stealth and basically made, like, a ranger force. Oh,
1: that's kind of cool.
0: Uh, and Zane...
1: Crafted some shit.
0: Crafted some shit, honestly. Oh! Yeah, no, he crafted a, um, he crafted a fast-moving land vehicle that, uh, because he was a sorcerer as well, because if you're a crafter, why the fuck wouldn't you be a sorcerer? There's no point not being it, because if you're not a sorcerer, you can't make artifacts.
2: I
1: mean... I don't... Was Talisman a sorcerer? Yes. She was? Okay, I can yep. remember if she that's was... Yep, that's
0: where the bronze skin came from.
1: Oh, that's right, because she had the, uh...
0: Invulnerable skin, skin of, of bronze. bronze. Yeah, so... Zane had stayed back at the city and made a land vehicle that was a giant turtle that everyone could fit into the shell of. And I didn't realize until literally, like, I think probably like this year that that was actually a JoJo reference. To... To Part 5, there's a turtle that the gang... So far around. farther
1: than I'm at. Okay.
0: Farther, even further than I've made references to before. Technically it's also a reference to Gamera. Oh. Which gets brought up at some point. So anyway, so the group gets goes back to the city and they get word of uh, some fire elementals in a nearby volcano who are having some problems, and also one of their uh, one of their guys tells them that the reason that the problems are happening at the Fire Elemental Cave is that there's an old First Age flying craft lodged inside the volcano. So obviously, you know, they're going to take like the, the Zane's new Speeder Turtle out there, <laughs> right? You know, you know that makes sense. So they're going to do that. Jake, also a sorcerer, goes, "Wait, I'm going to do a sorceress working." Oh no. Ma- but. Oh no. Jake does a sorceress working to make the turtle fly. But makes it so that he does not get enough successes to the point where that basically I put a weird rule on it where that anytime that someone makes mention of anything that rotates, the turtle will begin to spin like one of those, uh, um, uh, like, like fucking on like carnival rides where everyone oh. is like push, like gravity, the- like pushes you to, to like the walls.
1: Yeah. I can't remember, I'm gonna, it's
2: either Centrifugal remember. Force or
0: something Yeah, yeah, force. Centrifugal Force, where you just, like, it just spins and does that, and like, people are just, like, yelling the word spin every now and again, I'm just having to, like, make a motion with my hands of them just, like, going around and around, Is just, like, the inside with, like, the couches and everything are just, like, flung to the side, and they're just stuck to the wall for Jeez. the next five minutes. As a flying turtle goes towards the volcano, because they wanted uh, to get a
1: spinning flying a spinning turtle. flying
0: turtle goes towards a volcano to acquire a flying first aid ship. They made a flying vehicle to go and get a flying vehicle. I
1: I feel like we've done something similarly stupid in our campaign. I don't
0: think you guys have. I honestly can't. Uh, I you? honestly can't remember anything. I don't want to say worse, but like I can't remember anything that's as. Dumb as, hey, we're going to go get the airship. Hey, how are we going to get there? Let's make an airship.
2: But <laughs> yeah, know,
0: it's yeah,
1: first-stage it first technology versus a spinning turtle.
0: It, yeah, so anyway, so they go there, and they uh, really don't like the fire elemental. So we end that session on, hey, Zane and Dan are going to work on uh Pumping ocean water into the volcano. And I go and I'm like, okay, guys, I can't do this right now. Uh, We're going to end the session here. I need to go make a boss fight for you. And we come back to Jake being like, Actually, we've talked it over. We're not going to do that plan, and I'm just like, "You son of a bitch! I have an entire boss fight for you all to fight a fucking elemental dragon, goddamn!" So they end up not fighting the elemental dragon, not pumping the uh, the volcano full of uh, water. Uh, it's because
1: it's because you said there was a boss battle. That's yeah, why.
0: yeah. So. Um,
1: They end up
0: uh, basically just using uh, Jake's knowledge of feng shui and Zane's crafting roles to realign the volcano and get the first stage crafting ship out of there. I don't
1: understand how feng
0: shui would work. Feng shui is is actually how monsters are made. Oh. Yeah.
1: I did not know that. It's all
0: about uh, feng shui in this uh, sense is like how dragon lines align. Oh,
1: okay. If you were talking about dragon lines, then I understand what you're saying, so... Right, think, but mean,
0: but the way that you align dragon lines is a very like feng shui kind of thing. If you really like look into it, it's like canonically it's supposed to be very feng shui to adjust the ley lines.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: Um, makes sense. Because you want to have the good energy flowing. Through oh
1: my gosh. Right.
0: Um. So after that. Once they get back, I inform them that they're that the wild hunt has been uh alerted to their presence, despite their efforts to basically stay below the radar. It's almost like somebody had a shadow thing there that uh
1: And this is why I wanted to talk about the South, because it's relevant. That
0: that's that's snitched on them. So they I give them a session to prepare. They do it, they make a bunch of their roles, we do a lot of uh, off-camera stuff to kind of figure out like what's gonna happen. And boy, do I fucking regret giving that goddamn turtle the, uh...
1: The spin-ability? The
0: spin-ability.
1: Did they basically, like, shuffleboard spin this bullshit? Uh,
0: What they did is they laid a bunch of bombs, uh, took the time remaining that they had to summon about 30 blood apes. They basically prepared for a siege. And then what they did with the Gamera Turtle is they attached a bunch of jade chains to it
1: so it like spun buried the it, spun buried out.
0: it in the sand and waited for the wild hunt to get just past it and then jake yelled spin like projected his voice at it and then this turtle like that's just barely like two feet under the sand just starts spinning like a fucking cyclone, and there's, like, ten feet of jade chain hanging off of each of its legs as it's just spinning for five minutes, turning into a fucking vortex of death.
2: <laughs> I
1: mean, you gotta commend them for, you know, working with um, what they had.
0: Dan's character gets super hard murdered by the Earth Aspect.
2: Oh.
1: Because he,
0: because I used the canon uh, Earth Aspect, um stats in the book, and Dan basically had... Dan was all arrow abilities, but was all stealth abilities with a little bit of archery. And um, he had that archery ability that's like, hey, I do this, 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 and this, and I have basically an infinite loop, um, and then I'm gonna do decisive damage. But the guy who had all of his other stuff, like all of his other charms, basically prevented ranged attacks from, like, fucking him up. So they basically um, would have, like... After, like, six turns of this happening, I went, Dan, unless, like, even if you roll, like, I did the math in my head, and I was like, even if you roll all 10s on everything, you're never going to be able to hurt this guy.
1: Go after
0: somebody else. Go after somebody else. And he's like, I've spent my essence. That's my turn. And I'm like, cool. Well, then he gets to go. Well, he had the melee version of that. And Dan had no defenses. So this guy basically comes in with a fucking Jade Gormel and just boom, 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 boom. Like multiple times until he has like 30 initiative, unleashes a 30 dice, decisive strike on Dan and just one-shots Dan.
1: See, that's, like, the build that I feel like <sighs> Joe was trying to go for. It was the
0: build that Joe was trying to go for and couldn't understand it. That's the build that uh, Behemoth did, but the one time that he unleashed it was against a creature that had defenses against that.
1: Yeah, it'd be like if he tried to use it against me as mm-hmm. Storm. So anyway... Because she was a dodge monkey.
0: Um, Jake convinces the earth terrestrial and the wood terrestrial because jake is a social foo monkey
1: um look it's fun okay to join
0: to join to join their party zane and julia kill the water wood and air terrestrials uh, that were fire because you said oh, wood fire and earth is what he uh yeah wood and earth are the ones that uh jake um Oh right, I should probably explain this. So uh he convinces the wood one just through random social foo. And then he makes a joke at me for the earth one, he's just like, yeah. Well, like looks at the looks at the earth through and goes, Yeah? Well, I fucked your well, I fucked your mother. Because Jake's character was a was originally a um uh not a dragon blooded, but he has um Dragon blood, um, like, like heritage in him. Yeah. So he has, like, the cape. Like, he, he was originally an older man. He was originally a character who was in his 80s, who, when he exalted, went back to the prime of his life, which was as he was 18. Mm. And Jake rolled it, and I rolled it, and I just kind of went, Jake, odds or evens? And he went, what? Which one's bad for me? And I went, the one that's bad for you is odds. And he went, cool, um, evens. So I rolled, I'm like, cool, I got a four. Jake, he sees you and he goes, grandpa? (laughs) Or not grandpa, he goes, dad? And and Jake just kind of went, yeah. And then this guy gives out Jake's like, true name, name, like his fucking terrestrial name. Mm. Uh, And Jake's just like, wait, what? And he's just like, yeah, no, that's, like, your son or whatever. Like... (laughs) And Jake's like, what the fuck? What is this? Like, Jake accidentally almost murdered his son and then, like, actually had his son as, like, his ally. It was kind of fucking great.
1: That's pretty hilarious.
0: Um... So that session ends... And then the next session, which is this, is where I'm going to start it with. Uh, this is where I'm going to give you all a fucking cliffhanger here. The next session begins with a form approaching the group, and he goes, "Hey guys, I know you're all solars, and I've got a and I've got a job for you. My name's Percival Hodgeworth." <laughs> yeah,
1: I always forget that that was the name.
0: Yep, yep. So, um. At some point, the, uh, the 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 North group decides to uh, interfere with the Southern group for their own malicious Okay, intent. so
1: to be fair, Storm sent that NPC to do a thing. The NPC recruited the Southern group to handle the situation. Right unbeknownst to our group, except for Seeker, that there was even a Southern group. I think the only reason I found out about it at Storm was because it was in Seeker's notes.
0: Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, I can't wait to get to that uh, mishmash of things. That's going to
1: be, I think, at least two sessions
2: down the line. That's going to be at
0: least two more episodes down the line, because we're going to have to go through that and... The stuff leading. We're going to have to do the next the next episode, which is going to be the next session is going to be an episode in and of itself. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that I feel like the people who listen to this can kind of learn as a GM of do's and don'ts and like when to step in. Yeah. Because that's something that I learned that I had to learn how to do for this because I didn't because. I thought things were going well, but I'll get into that more when we get into that session.
1: Yeah. That's a that's the one where you're gonna have to strap in for and it's gonna get that's that's one wonky.
0: It's that, one that's gonna get strapped in for. I feel like I it it's rough. Yeah. It it's fucking rough. There are six pages of notes and they're not even I don't wanna say they're not well taken notes, but they're like they only hit the key points.
1: Yeah. Because it was such a long session, and there was so much there's that happened, a point, I couldn't go super into There's depth. a
0: point in these notes where they just kind of go into boring discussion, blah, 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 blah.
1: I think that was the point where I put my head down and stopped paying attention, because pro- it was that bad of an argument.
0: Yeah. Um, this the, 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 the next episode is going to show off a lot of... Um, Strife. Strife. <laughs> Toxic player activity. Yeah,
1: that's- I'm
0: I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it. It's it is hard toxic player activity. Yeah. But so, it was
1: a good lesson overall. It was a
0: good lesson overall, but it really was something that I did not want to have to learn that way. Um so for a pair of dice loss podcasting channel, um I've been Brendan.
1: This is Christina.
0: And as always, let the good dice roll.